This is the Mind Body Work podcast dedicated to discussions about the well-being and health of working professionals. Today's opening speaker is Carl Bennett, the well-being director at VivUp. VivUp stands out for its broad range of employee benefits, notably including support for family care. Renowned in the employee assistance sector, Carl has a rich background in advising on mental health and well-being, collaborating with major organisations like the BBC and Great Ormond Street Hospital. At VivUp, he furthers the impact of employee assistance programmes with a focus on proactive and preventative strategies. Hi, Carl. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, Joe. How are you? Yes, doing really well, thank you, although a little bit chilly, but getting through it. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and today we are talking about working parents and specifically the mental health of working parents. On the 27th of January, it's Parental Mental Health Day and therefore a great opportunity to spread awareness of some of the struggles working parents may be facing. And as we all know, being a parent is a full-time job and juggling the responsibilities of work and home life is understandably difficult. So to get us started, Carl, can you talk us through the most common mental health challenges that working parents face today? Yeah, no problem at all. The, I, I think, as you've just said there as well, about the uh, Parent Mental Health Day um, yeah. taking place, the theme this year, I think, is balance. Um, and that sort of runs through everything that, that, that I would say about um, the challenges that are being faced by parents today is the is recognising and understanding the the balance that needs to happen um, when you are a working uh, parent um, with responsibilities at work uh, and childcare responsibilities as well. And it's a climate, isn't it, where kind of every penny counts at the moment. And it's not easy balancing professional relationships with family life and having to make choices between being present with families and ensuring that you've also got a stable income uh, to make sure that you can pay the bills. And it, it in that in itself uh, creates some significant mental health challenges uh, for parents. And when you look at the kind of challenges that, that can be faced, all sorts of things, the, the burnout, for example, when we're trying to juggle uh, the demands of work and family life, uh, which leads to stress, leads to burnout, um, and to do it, uh, to, to sort of look at that a bit deeper, parents really should try to find the balance that allows them uh, to meet the expectations of both their family life and their job as well. Also, parent guilt. Um, we can often find um, it incredibly guilty when we're not spending enough time with our family, with our children, and that guilt itself contributes to stress and sometimes feelings of inadequacy which really impact around anxiety and uh, in in more serious cases can can um, can impact uh, feelings of depression mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier as well about um, financial stress um, representing a high number of mental health issues within the country generally um, we uh, myself uh, uh, representing um, EPA um, and, and sitting on the, the chair for them. We see lots of issues at the moment coming in um, around financial stress. And for working parents, this is sort of increased um, as we worry about job security, financial obligations, and also providing for children uh, and their needs, which really, really can impact uh, on our mental health. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, being a parent generally, Joe, can be stressful. But mm -hmm. um, if you had the added complication of supporting children or elderly relatives with illness, that can become even more emotionally taxing when we're trying to manage a job um, full time or part time. And that has its own demands on your time and your family's time as well. And managing those aspects while sort of fulfilling the responsibilities can be incredibly emotionally taxing uh, on mm. parents. And that itself can lead to high levels of stress mm. and anxiety. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure so many people out there can relate. Um, I don't have children myself, but I certainly remember from my own childhood, my mum was a full-time midwife who had to juggle her appointments whilst taking my brother and I to school and then being called out all night on, on a home birth. And it's, it's really not easy for some. It can be such a, a stressful, stressful experience. Um, but that being said, the conversation surrounding mental health has absolutely boomed over recent years, which is great. And there are ways workplaces can offer their support. So with that being said, Carl, my next question is what can employees do or how can employees better support the mental health of employees who are balancing these parenting responsibilities? There's a lot that employers can and already do do in supporting the mental health um, of their employees. Certainly those employees that are balancing those parental responsibilities. And there are things that they can do um, that, that, that I can talk about now. But I, I don't want to take away from the fact that I think um, the responsibility that employers take upon themselves to make sure that they're employees and, and as, as we say parents in particular it is high on the priority um, of thinking for employers uh, mental health is in the uh, much more in the in the sort of psyche and we read it and we we talk about it much more than we ever did but as I say employers because of that that they're really aware of it one thing I would say that um, I've noticed more um, and I think that I would encourage all employers to think about is those employers that uh, or managers uh, within organisations that are parents, they should parent loudly, which is something that we were talking mm. about um, at work yesterday. You know, senior people within businesses should be talking about their parenting, uh, parenting experiences, um, their issues with school plays or inset days or more currently school strikes, they all create challenges and impacts um, sort of day-to-day -day working. And as leaders within organisations, it's a great thing to be able to, to talk about that loudly um, and proudly um, within the organisation, because the more that you do that, the more that um, employees uh, or, or people that are working uh, to those managers will recognise that it's okay for them to do the same. You know, mm -hmm. if they're hearing people talk about it, then for them to have the same sort of issues and be able to talk openly without uh, fear of uh, a consequence on, on their role or their jobs, that's really important. There are other things, though, that, um, that, that, that employers could be doing, um, offering flexible working hours or compressed working weeks uh, to help parents better manage the family responsibilities. There's also um, allowing remote working options. I know that's in the, the, the press a lot at the moment, and it isn't always feasible, but where employers can offer that uh, ability to um, work remotely, um, it really does help provide 
a greater sort of flexibility and reduces the stress around things like taking uh, and picking children up from school. Um, also, uh, a more sort of pragmatic thing around uh, reviewing parental leave policies uh, that allow both mothers and fathers to take time off uh, for birth, uh, adoption or illness of a child. Um, also ensuring that employees feel encouraged and, in, uh, and supported in taking advantage of any of those parental leave uh, benefits without fear of those, those negative consequences. Because I think that's something that, that, that's really important. If um, a, a parent's mental health is being impacted because some of the things that we've already spoken about today, that's exacerbated um, by the fact that that, that that something might be available for them within their organisational policies. But they're so fearful, um, particularly within the current financial climate, to take advantage of any of those things that they just don't do it. There's also other things that, that um, organisations might not have thought about um, where possible it might be possible, of course, to offer on-site childcare facilities uh, or create partnerships with nurseries or childcare centres near to where that uh, that employee works. So actually going out and looking for things that will support um, those employees if they're at times that, that, that they just, you know, they've been let down by a co-parent or somebody that's helping support um, them with childcare. Um, if the organisation have things in place where they're able to say, look, you know, we, having you here is, is, is where we really need you right now. And the, 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 the parent probably wants to be there as well, but mm. has that responsibility to the, uh, to the children um, within the family. So if the organisation is saying that who is near, how can we help you access uh, that support? That's really good. Uh, and lastly, what I'd say is probably providing information on those uh, available childcare resources. You know, that might include talking with experts on sleep or behaviour. Um, they could use the their employee assistant programmes uh, or EAPs, which they're more commonly known as, um, which will give access to those tools. They can offer counselling, they can offer mental health support uh, or resources for managing stress. I think a lot of time people think about EAPs and the support that they offer within an organisation um, only being useful for people that have hit that point of crisis. So, you know, they've got to a point that they recognise they're, that they're being impacted um, emotionally. Uh, so they'll, at that point, pick up the phone and speak with a, a counsellor. But the truth around it is that the moment that somebody feels that they need support, um, maybe they've got questions around um, how they can use uh, childcare or the way that they're feeling or they're being torn uh, between work life and family life. It's those times that it's really beneficial to pick up the phone, speak with a, uh, with a counsellor and just talk through the way that you're feeling. Much better dealing with things proactively than letting things escalate out of control. It's, it's much more difficult um, to support things reactively than it is proactively. Mm, I couldn't agree more and um, I think what you said earlier as well about parent loudly I think that's just brilliant and should be the theme of next year's parental mental health day that's fantastic so important um, okay thank you some great suggestions there Carl um, so for working parents who who are fully remote so they don't have an office 
or who are hybrid working and fluctuate between the two, or who are simply seeking advice that they can implement outside of the office on a day-to-day basis? Are you able to offer some effective strategies that parents can use at home to manage stress and maintain a healthy work-life balance? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, And what I would say to that is during any kind of counselling session, um, and I'm not saying that that, that everybody receives counselling, but when counselling is provided um, to, to to people and employees in particular, uh, clients, um, as they're called, or people that, that are attending those counselling sessions, are asked to reflect on the things that may have contributed to the way that they're feeling. It's almost like holding a, a mirror up to, to yourself or to somebody else and saying, what did I do that positively uh, or negatively impacted the situation that, that I'm currently in. And what I mean by that is that parents themselves can have a major impact on their mental health um, and their work-life balance by making some choices, if you like, and taking control of the things um, mm. that they know are impacting on their home and working life. I've, I've thought about some some strategies that parents can implement um, at home and those sorts of things might be uh, establishing clear priorities um, for both work and family, Um, you know, recognising that it's okay uh, to adjust the expectations and focus on the things that truly matter. Um, Like today, you may have uh, an important meeting uh, that you want to be at. And I think sometimes that's that's okay. And it, it is okay to put work first but only if you know what the priority is at that time for you. Um, and I think when we, when we think about establishing those priorities, don't be afraid that if you've got um, something that something where work is, is important, don't be afraid to say um, to, to, to your, your, your co-parents or people that you're working with that you've got those responsibilities at work um, and that you need to take part in a meeting or something that's important. And people don't expect us to be parents 100%. It's okay to put work first occasionally. Something else people could do is establish boundaries. So clearly define boundaries between work and personal life. Um, Set specific hours, if you like, uh, and avoid bringing work uh, into your personal time and uh, and vice versa, a lot of the uh, a lot of the support that's provided by um, uh, counselling uh, services in the country definitely focus on the fact that um, work and home life just mix together so easily. A lot of the things that happen at home um, are in, uh, tend to impact your um, your working life, and a lot of things that happen at work equally um, impact your home life as well. So just being clear around the boundaries uh, that you're setting yourself is really important. I had a great conversation with uh, a colleague yesterday around this uh, and, and uh, around setting uh, boundaries. And they said that, that what they, they knew they needed to do at the beginning of the day um, was set some, some boundaries around finishing uh, at a particular time because they had children to take um, to after school activity clubs. But because they weren't disciplined with themselves, they ended up 
um, rushing to do the tea, and then people will will be able to picture this quite quite easily, kind of running out the door with seconds to spare, mm. and then they spent time sort of beating themselves up about not being disciplined and putting work first. But it's okay to do that once or twice. But when it happens regularly, that's when it starts impacting our well-being. Mm -hmm. Just leading on from that, I remember um, hearing, I think my dad told me about this really high power lawyer um, who she had a lot of responsibilities, a lot on her plate. But as soon as it hit five o'clock, no matter what she was doing, she would stop everything, go home. Um, and then be there for her kids and I remember thinking that was absolutely brilliant as well and it can be so difficult to do to begin with um, but once you you set those boundaries for yourself it, it can become easier. You're right and I it, it, it's not just parenting either you know it's a good rule of thumb for our own sort of self-care and our, our, our own well-being. What I've done myself recently is block out some time for lunch which seems crazy you know that, that that somebody would want to block out time for lunch when you've got um a, a busy uh, work schedule you know how on earth can you fit in lunch but you have to do that you have to look after yourself sometimes so what i did was i i, I put half an hour in for lunch every single day at the same time it meant that there was routine and mm -hmm. structure in my day and it meant, more importantly, I suppose, that people knew I was busy at that time. Yeah. And it's worked brilliantly. So it isn't just sometimes around parenting. It's around our own self-care. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I just want to ask you one more question. As we all know, society plays a big part in our lives. It shapes how we see things, guides our choices, and pretty much sets up the backdrop for all the stuff we go through. So keeping that in mind, in, in your opinion, Carl, what role does societal structure play in parental mental health and how can we foster a more supportive community environment? So, again, I'm going to keep saying good question because I think it is a good question. And societal structures are important, uh, particularly when it comes to parents with mental health and managing their, 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 their mental health or good mental health, I should say. Because the other thing we, we should also focus on is the fact that we all do have mental health. Um, there's just such a thing as good mental health and, and not so good mental health. And we all try to promote that, uh, that, that, that good mental health is something we should be aiming towards. But we shouldn't worry as well about the fact that sometimes things aren't so great and we do need some help and we do need support. And that's where societal structures come in really important, uh, importantly, because maintaining supportive community environments are crucial for well-being um, and I would say more for parents than anybody else I mean there's some obvious but never easy to achieve I suppose things that we can do to foster the relationship between friendship groups and and societal structures in general uh, to support good mental health for parents uh, such as you know, being part of a community or peer-to-peer -peer groups, which is kind of a thing that we're hearing more and more about, um, you know, where you often find yourself with people within those peer-to-peer -peer groups that might be experiencing the same issues as you. And more often than not, they have already developed a strategy which you may not have seen because of the stress levels that you're experiencing. I'm sure most people would agree it, it's hard to, to think straight sometimes. Um, particularly when you're under stress. 
mm-hmm. your mind can become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've heard myself many times say, can everybody just be quiet, please? I just need to think. Yes. I'm sure that's something that most people can, can, can oh, sure. uh, hear themselves saying. <laughs> Sorry, Jo. No, no, I, I was just agreeing with you. I said that myself multiple times. So, oh, yeah. Don't. It's, it's just because our brain's becoming like super overwhelmed and you, we only have a capacity to be able to think and do certain things. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you do sit there and you just think, I can't think, you know, that moment where you say, just everybody, just for one moment, can you just be quiet? I just need to think about something. Mm-hmm. It happens. And, and that's where peer-to-peer groups work really well, um, mostly because, well, th- they you can see that you're not on your own. So if you're in a peer group and it doesn't have to be a peer group within people that you work with, although that can help, it can be uh, a friend group or maybe uh, a community group. And if you are part of those groups, and as I say, the first thing that you see is that you're not on your own. Mm -hmm. And secondly, if it is a colleague or a friend or a member of that uh, community group I just mentioned, then you're part of something where somebody may have already come up with the ideas that you hadn't got the mental capacity um, or you're just too busy to think through. So they may have the answers for you, which you've not thought about. I mean, it also plays another crucial role, I suppose, in in parental mental health, uh, most importantly around reducing the feeling of, of, of loneliness or isolation, which is where that kind of societal support and community support and friendship groups come in really, really importantly. Mm-hmm. It also supports knowledge, I suppose, where we might uh, be able to to learn more things or gain more information or just become more equipped um, emotionally to be able to deal with um, with some of the things that we're experiencing. It can also, I suppose, help reduce the stigma uh, associated with the feelings of of loneliness and not knowing what to do if you've got other people around you it's great to find a network of people uh, that can help you work through the things you might be going through and importantly find strategies to be able to find that balance um, in maintaining um, a, a, a job and support family as well yeah absolutely it is so important for people to know if you are struggling that there is support out there there are ways to help and you are absolutely not alone so Carl thank you so much you've really offered some great and interesting and insightful strategies um, and advice here today thank you so much for your time that's my pleasure lovely to speak with you Joe. and you take care follow us on twitter at workwellpro or join us on linkedin and facebook if you have any comments on the podcast or you'd like to suggest a topical speaker or provide other feedback you can contact us using the email editor at workplacewellbeing.pro. We look forward to hearing from you. Our second guest speaker is Jennifer Liston-Smith, who is the Head of Thought Leadership at Bright Horizons, a global provider of work family solutions. Jennifer is a certified principal business psychologist who pioneered parent transition coaching and founded the business that evolved into Bright Horizons coaching and consultancy services. Jennifer created the multi-award winning Parental Leave Toolkit and has guided multinational employers in implementing and evaluating programs for working parents and carers. Her work extends to developing coaches in a role as a coaching supervisor. Hi Jennifer, how are you? I'm great, thanks Joanne. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Oh, it's a great pleasure. Great. So, uh, of course, in light of the approaching Parental Mental Health Awareness Day, which is such a tongue twister, um, <laughs> but we are discussing the impact that juggling job responsibilities may have on working parents and discussing ways that organisations can offer their support. So to dive right in today, Jennifer, in your role as Head of Thought Leadership, what emerging trends are you seeing in how companies are supporting working parents going forwards? Yeah, so um, one of the, the key things, which I'm sure is, is clear to everybody listening, is that we can't unsee what we saw during the pandemic. You know, obviously, frontline workers stayed on the front line, but a lot mm-hmm. of people, particularly knowledge workers, went elsewhere, went home specifically, and we had a view into people's homes uh, unlike anything we'd ever seen before. And of course, schools and early education provisions were set da- were uh, locked down. So children were roaming behind people doing their work on their screens. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's no longer the case. Obviously, if, even where people are working from home now, they would have childcare or education in place. So we're not all working with our children around our feet. But we have understood a lot more about family life and i think employers quite rightly lent into that well-being space in a, a superb way for the most part during the pandemic mm-hmm. you know in, in bright horizons one of the things that we experienced was a lot of employers really ramped up one of the things we provide is backup care so care when people's arrangements fall over on any given day you know the child mind us away on holiday or the school is closed for some reason or whatever it may be the employer can subsidize the provision of backup care to to help the employee have somewhere else to to put their their child or young person to have a really great experience while they can carry on with work and we found employers were making that more available or possibly subsidizing more days of it or just increasing the the presence of things like access to school holiday clubs through backup care or wraparound Mm. care so you know in really practical granular terms there there's been an increase in employers saying look we we need to really understand how it is for parents um, and we need to to make sure that what we're offering makes a practical difference because it's one thing to say we care and and we understand but it's it's altogether another level to actually provide the care and to help it to work for people Mm, yeah brilliant thank you some fantastic insights and it's clear that strategies such as these um shouldn't just be immediate but long-term positive outcomes for for working parents going forwards is 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 really crucial and on that note um i'm particularly interested in the foundational stage of this journey and so could you discuss how early parental support in the workplace can impact long-term employee well-being and retention, as this seems especially relevant considering how these early experiences can set the tone for an employee's entire career trajectory? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Joanne. It, it can be a real hinge moment in a career, that moment where somebody becomes a parent, yeah. whatever their gender, because increasingly parents of all genders, you know, including dads, want to be involved hands-on from the outset and or need to be involved um, and want to take leave, obviously. So so there is a trend to longer enhanced periods of leave. Um, but really importantly, there's a, an increasing trend of providing coaching or where the employer doesn't have the investment to make in perhaps external coaching around 
the parent transition, they are providing a buddy program or a mentor program internally, which can also be a really positive thing to do. And we found where we have worked with organisations to put in place a parental leave coaching program, for example, we have seen the return rates rise 12 to 14 percentage points. So people are coming back more than they were before. And we have also seen that they continue in their careers because it, you know it's one thing to make it back through the door, but to have that belief and that confidence in the career is a real palpable difference. And so the other thing that, that we measure, so there's the return rates going up when you put a program in place. That's one of the, the real measurable differences. But the other thing that we've found is that when you put a program in place that's coaching somebody through that transition, they will be able to to tell you after the coaching versus before the coaching, they are usually at least half as much again confident in, in all sorts of areas, like being able to influence the people around them, being confident about how to manage their their leave and their return you know, so if they were like five out of 10 to begin with, they'll be at least seven and a half out of 10 afterwards mm. in terms of their confidence in those areas. So there's there's definitely measurable progress. And I, I think you're right that it's a it's a foundational moment, not only in terms of, of family life, but in terms of career. And I think the other thing that's really vital is the role played by managers. And I think a lot of employers now are beginning to understand this more and more you know that conversation at each point of the journey whether it's before going off on leave whether it's during leave things like keeping in touch days whether it's following return equipping managers for those conversations so they know how to have a positive conversation so they know how to to balance a focus on on the one hand on well-being and, and empathy of course but also on career because Managers can sometimes almost accidentally sideline people, you know, oh, don't worry about that project with the late meetings with the US, you know, I'll Mm. I'll put somebody else on that. Whereas actually, that might be the one thing that person is looking forward to coming back to in terms of their career progression. So not making those assumptions and actually just having a really good listening conversation as well. So I think there's a lot that if you get it right, both by equipping managers and supporting the individual, you will see definite progress in terms of of both return rates and their career progression afterwards. Mm, That's a very interesting point there about not putting on hold various projects um, Mm. that that people actually will be looking forward to in in the future. That's that's a very good point, very interesting, as they might think that they're being helpful um, when actually they're not. So communication is is so vital it really is and and building on this um i am curious about the specific initiatives and policies that are making a real difference today um could you share examples of unique or particularly effective strategies that you may have seen implemented in various workplaces that significantly benefit parental mental health as it would be so great to understand what sets these policies apart from the rest, and how they really are making a difference for working parents. Absolutely. Um, Well, we do a lot of research at Bright Horizons, and one of the things that we do is every couple of years, we carry out the parental leave and family support benchmark. We lasted this in in 2023. um, And within that, one of the rising trends was 
making parental leave agnostic towards gender or family role. So, you know, not so much maternity and paternity, but parental leave. Um, so that's a growing trend to either do that by enhancing shared parental leave or making an equal leave provision um, that's not distinguishing between men, women, other genders, not distinguishing between birth, adoption, etc., um, or being, you know, the birth parent or or the partner. So that's that's an important trend. But I think there are other smaller trends as well that that came out in the survey. For example enabling people to have a phased return from their leave period, either using unused holidays or using keeping in touch days. It's a very practical thing. There's no real cost to it for the organisation. But, you know, somebody could be working, say, four days a week instead of five for Mm. four to six weeks on return by using up holidays or using keeping in touch days. And that can make a really big difference just in terms of easing back. So there's some simple things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think, as I've mentioned, you know, coaching, buddy schemes, we've found that to be kind of invaluable, really, in terms of the difference it makes for both the individual's confidence and the manager's report that the individual is coming back much more prepared. I remember one of the, the big law firms that we work with, one of the best pieces of feedback we heard from the firm themselves was they found that the quality of flexible working applications they were getting from returners was way better since the coaching was in place because people were really thinking strategically about how can I deliver my role most effectively with this way that I'm proposing to work. So I think, you know, quality of conversations, however you can help that, whether it's external coaching, internal buddies and mentoring. And then just going on to the other aspects of of parenting there's a real move towards looking further at on-site child care or near-site child care for employers we've got increased funding coming in in england funded places for two-year-olds coming in and then ultimately um that's in april of 2024 and then september of 2024 15 hours of funded places from nine months um But there is some concern amongst employers that there will be high demand for this and not everybody will perhaps be able to get the places that they're they're wishing to get. So there's a lot of employers right now looking at what role can we play in that and and how can we, with the cost of living crisis, how can we help with a salary sacrifice scheme? Because a workplace nursery can have a salary sacrifice scheme, which has huge savings in tax and national insurance. So that's another very timely trend. And then one more that I would mention is um, I I mentioned backup care earlier on. And one of the wonderful things that's happened in recent years is employers taking account of the whole parent journey way beyond the, the early transition and into things like the teenage years, really understanding the mental load that parents carry in relation, particularly educational catch up has been a big worry recently. But even regardless of, of you know, the pandemic impact, parents are always worried about how our children are, are doing in school one way or another. Or mm-hmm. if we're not worried, we're, we're kind of you know, focused on it. And some of the employers that we've, we work with in Bright Horizons have innovated with us to say, well, let's take the backup care scheme, which you know, provides for alternative care arrangements when needed, to cover gaps in care let's take that and let's convert some of that into virtual tutoring for parents so instead of using backup care only for a nursery place or a child mind or whatever 
you can convert it into virtual tutoring for your child that's doing GCSE maths. Um, And the feedback we get tells us that people are saying, well, I'm way more focused on work, um, that I would have felt more stressed at work if I wasn't able to find this or I'd have spent dedicated, you know, hours tutoring my child directly. um, And I I feel, you know, that the stress has been lifted from me by my employer. So it generates great loyalty. So I think there's a bunch of trends there which are all around you know, looking for practical ways to ease the mental load for parents, whether it's right at the beginning of the journey or or much further on. Oh, gosh, yeah, some of those are absolutely fantastic. It's great to see. Um, and with all these efforts and insights in mind, I, I do just want to bring it back quickly to Parental Mental Health Day, mm-hmm. which is just around the corner. And its existence and some of these initiatives that you've just gone through truly symbolise a growing recognition of these issues which is so great. I actually heard um, a quote or a, a, fra- a phrase the other day saying we are currently um, in an era of uh, an emotional revolution. And I just thought mm-hmm. that is so true. It's so great to talk about um, talk about these things. It's so important. Um, and I do just want to ask my last question for you, Jennifer, mm-hmm. is uh, how do you think Parental Mental Health Day could influence future discussions and actions around work-life integration? And do you see it as like a, a catalyst for further change, particularly in how we approach and prioritise parental mental health in the workplace? Yes, I do. Um, I, I definitely think, as you say, that you know this is a time when um, people's emotional experience is very much to the fore. You know, there are very different expectations among Generation Y and millennials around what employers should expect what the psychological contract with employers looks like much higher expectations around work-life balance work-life fit um so that that's something to to pay attention to as employers if we want to attract and retain the the talented people that we need we need to recognize that you know life matters um so i think it's really important to think about this the other thing i would say is from an employer's point of view it's really important that we look for the other reasons as well why employers support parents. Yes, it makes a huge impact on mental health and well-being, and that's that's a really crucial piece all in itself. However, it also has an impact on productivity. When we surveyed our clients' employees last year, they said 91% of them said that having a workplace nursery had a positive impact on productivity, for example. said it positively impacted their loyalty. So productivity and retention are also impacted. And I think for employers, that's a really important message. So what I would hope is that on on this this particular Parental Mental Health Day, that we're thinking, what can employers do for mental health for parents? And at the same time, we're remembering that there is a business case for employers for this. It's not only about doing the right thing for mental health it's doing the right thing for mental health also because it makes better business I think that's quite an important angle to remember absolutely Jennifer you've been wonderful thank you so much for joining me it's a great pleasure Joanne thank you for having me thank you bye-bye cheers bye-bye the mind body work podcast is brought to you by workplacewellbeing.pro a website dedicated to the well-being and health of working professionals Daily news items are posted, accompanied by in-depth analysis of topics including financial well-being, mental health and stress. You can sign up for our weekly newsletters to keep up to date with our content. Thank you for listening.